This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another Sky Blues Extra podcast with me, David Moore. And as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Andrew Greasley. And we're also joined again this evening by Tom, who was on, you may have heard him last week. He made his first appearance and he's back again. Evening, gents. Evening, Dad, mate. How are you? Very good. Evening, Dave. Good to be on again. Great to have you on, Tom. So it's probably worth mentioning to our listeners out there that this is being recorded before the Rotherham fixture, the relentless Tuesday-Saturday schedule, not just causing Mark Robbins a headache, but also causing us on the Skyview's Extra podcast a bit of a headache. It was a great result this weekend. It was another away win for the Sky Blues, and we got the game off to an absolute flyer with a rose header, and then a really well-worked goal that Matty Godden scored. It was unfortunate to concede... Uh, and we made a bit of hard work from it. But Andy, what do the stats suggest? Was that similar? Was that the sort of story? Yeah, it is really. Um, it was a difficult game in difficult conditions, wasn't it? But let's go through the stats. Forty-seven possession, forty-seven uh, percent possession in our favour uh, for the Sky Blues. Uh, Sixteen shots versus their eleven. Eighty percent pass accuracy compared to their eighty-one percent. So as you can see, with us only having forty-seven percent possession and them having eighty-one percent pass accuracy compared to our eighty percent, they actually kept the ball better than us. And not many teams do that to the Sky Blue. So fair play to uh, Rochdale for doing that. However, on a dreadful conditions, dreadful day, we came out with the three points, Dave, which which matters the most. Yeah. Me and Tom actually both went up to the game on Saturday. Uh, you know, it did actually lash it down just before kickoff, which wasn't uh, great for the people attending because it was a bit of a nightmare to get to in the end, uh, the Rochdale gra- uh, ground. But yeah, it, like you say, it did absolutely lash it down. They did a superb job by actually getting the game on, I think, because the rain 
there, you know, the week before and prior to the game was just absolutely terrible. So, you know, fair play to the staff and the groundsmen at, at Rochdale for actually getting that game on and investing the time to put the dome down. But yeah, the, the pitch was a little bit worse for wear. There was some sand around to try and, you know, patch it up and it was very, very wet. It looked saturated at times and you could see that in the warm-up, couldn't you, Tom? Yeah, you could. It, it wasn't a good pitch at all, really. Um, I mean, yeah, fair play to them for getting it on, but I don't know whether having that dome over it meant they couldn't work on it like they normally do during the week because, where, I mean, especially the side we were on, Dave, there was barely any grass in some patches, was there? Um, so the ball was just getting stuck and, yeah, it was just a bit frustrating at times. But like we did at Tranmere, we didn't really let it affect us too much and, you know, we still played our football. So I like, you know, it's good to see us doing that and not being too affected by the pitch. Yeah, no, as you said, it was a bit bare in places. Um, and Andy, you mentioned about the possession there, which was, was interesting, but it did have that sort of feel to the game that we were actually a little bit a little bit poor in possession at times. Um, I think we played really well again and under difficult conditions. But yeah, Rochdale, again, probably didn't show what their league position was. Uh, and actually, you know, you'd say that they played better than the, the positions suggest. Absolutely. They are better than where they are lying in the table, Dave. Um, They played some really good possession football and they got the ball down on a really wet and soggy pitch. The pitch was very heavy, wasn't it, because of the rain? And they played some decent football. Like I said in the uh, earlier stats question, you know, to outplay us, you know, not many teams do that. And on, on on a dreadful pitch like that, you know, that's fair play to Rochdale. Yeah, and it was an absolutely amazing start to the game. It wasn't, so, you know, it wasn't really long until the Sky Blue Army had taken their seats or, or <clears> just about got in the ground before we took a short corner. Alan passed it out to Walsh, who clipped it in, dinked it in, rose, uh, rose higher than everyone, uh, and beat the keeper, who was a little bit, a little bit suspect for their goal. He sort of came out flapping, but Rose got his head on the end of it, and you know, one nil Coventry City, very early doors, Tom. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, brilliant start. Um, I've never been a fan of the short corner personally. I always get a bit annoyed when we do them, but when they come off, it's great. I, and I think we should we should be scoring more of those goals. To be honest, um, players like Fads and Rose, you know, we they should be getting their head to it. And I, I thought, I think anytime soon you'll be seeing Fads smashing one of them one of them in with his head as well. Um, so maybe something we've worked on in training. You know, we've got players that can put the ball in. Players like Alan and uh, and um, and Walsh, you know, they, they've got great delivery. So why don't we why don't we use that and get some more uh, more headed goals? Yeah, I was impressed. Sorry to put in there, Dave. I was impressed with uh, Jamie Allen's delivery at the weekend. Well, I knew from corners they were decent, weren't they? Yeah, they were. I think there was one he put in as well for um, for Hyam's header. Hyam, that was it. It was Hyam yeah. in the yeah. That was that was a really good one, and that, that could have gone in as well. So yeah, really impressed with the delivery actually. Yeah, decent. Yeah, and like you say, we've got a bit of a rolling bet, haven't we, Tom, of whether McFadden <laughs> this season. Um, it would be interesting to listen to our, to hear this sort of feedback from our listeners to see if, you know, they can, they reckon that Fads might get his head on, on you know, the end of one and actually score uh, by the end of the season. What do you think, Tom? Think it's going to happen? I hope so, mate, because I keep putting it on, on on the train up, don't I, on the, on the bet. But uh, yeah, no, hopefully it'll happen happen sometime. Um, Luckily, it's about 40 to 1 each week, so you've got 40 <laughs> chances to get it. Yeah, and- I'll make my money back. <laughs> yeah, I'll make my money back eventually, won't I? 
So once the goal went in, it was obviously calmed a bit of the nerves of the Sky Blues and the, the fans obviously set up a really great atmosphere. Um, but then we lost it in the middle of the park. McFad seemed with a bit of a mazy run, seemed to lose it on the halfway line. We were a little bit caught and a little bit stretched. The ball went out wide. It was crossed in from the left-hand side and a header that Morosi just got down to his right-hand post to save. Andy, what did you make of that? Well, I wasn't very impressed with uh, Fad. We had, we've been dis- we discussed regarding his ball playing capabilities on a couple of pods two weeks ago, didn't we? And yeah, um, he obviously came on some kind of mazy run and then lost it, and he looked like a pub player handling back, didn't he? <laughs> so you know, it was just dreadful. But yeah, um, the ball obviously went out to the Rochdale winger. He whipped it in, and then obviously we talked about Henderson being the danger man. Uh, last week on the pod and he stabbed it towards goal and Morosi really got a firm touch onto the post. It was an outstanding save. Again, a key time. And how many times has Morosi done that for us this season? Yeah, exactly. And Tom, it was it was a really key save. Obviously, fads give the ball away. It was good play by them. They pushed it out to the left-hand side. But Morosi's been there all season. He's made some really key saves. Uh, I actually pulled him out as one of our sort of key players this season because he's, he's made some really key saves, like I say. And he doesn't always have a lot to do. Uh, how good has Morosi been this season, Tom? Yeah, he's been absolutely superb. It was a, it was an absolutely fantastic save again. He's he's made one or two of them pretty much every game that I can remember, especially the last sort of five or six games, um, and probably slips under the radar a little bit because every week there's sort of three or four players that you can pick as man of the match, and you know he's he's not always the one you first think of. But yeah, it was a superb save, and actually watching the highlights back, you see Henderson actually give him a little fist pump, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. you know <laughs> when a striker misses a, a chance and he's he's fist pumping the keeper, that that says it all really does. Yeah, it shows how well he got down to save, and I think Henderson, like you said, probably thought it was going in. Yeah, but that's a good thing. Sorry, that's a good thing about a goalkeeper, isn't it, Tom? That you don't see him that much, do you? You know, but you know, uh, he's in, in the uh, running for match the match most of the time. But he he runs under the radar quite a lot, and that's good for a keeper, isn't it? That you know he makes the saves at the important times. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you think how much. But Burge used to be in the limelight and was having oh, to make saves and he was constantly weird. involved and you know and then obviously you know he makes one mistake and the crowd are on his back whereas with Morosi and whether it's because of the defence you know he seems to there's a lot less pressure on him it seems but he is still you know making that one or two excellent saves a game which is which is great and we'll, we need for the last 13. It's a really good point you made about Lee Burge he did obviously get a lot of stick from the Sky Blue fans at times but I think he encouraged not encouraged it but he kind of it was it was always going to happen because he did struggle sometimes in some of those uh, situations where he come out punching the ball or and a bit like the Rochdale keeper actually he he did it the same this this week um, but I also you mentioned about defence Hyam has been again superb so far this season he wasn't too far away with a header was he? No, he wasn't, Dave. Uh, it was like Tom said earlier, Alan whipped a lovely ball in. Uh, High and rose really cleverly and, you know, he just flicked it past the post. And uh, I think AD Vivash is always having little jokes and little bets with the centre-halves, isn't he? Because I think they don't score enough, do they? And uh, nearly Hyam got a goal there. I think I think he's only scored once this season or twice. I think he scored away at Sunderland, didn't he? And early in the season against Gillingham, I think. So he would have nearly added three to his total. So, But yeah, it's an area that we need to improve on. Uh, the centre-backs getting a few more goals, 100%. 
we also had uh, Matty Godden. He he had a really good opportunity actually. It was a Sam McCallum throw that was flicked on. This is in the second half, and he uh, he just sort of got his head to it. But he couldn't really nudge it enough into goal. But again, that was really unlucky. That just came, but you can feel the the pressure sort of building, and we we really needed that second goal just to sort of put put it to bed really. And then it finally came through Godden. But I mean, first of all, Rochdale really bad, poor from the back. They played it out. It went to Darbo, who passed it into Allen. Allen passed it through and slipped it through to Godden. There's probably a little bit of luck, but a really well-took finish. And again, great to see Matty Godden on the score sheet. It's a great goal, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, great goal, great move. Again, you know, Darbo involved. You know, he's got a very attacking mind, hasn't he? Slipped it to to Allen, and, and Allen's just put a great ball through to him. And actually, it was it was quite a tight angle when you watch it back. Um, so he's done well to, to to hit a decent shot across the goal from that angle. Obviously, a little bit of luck with the with the bobble, but I've always said it. I like to see players just shooting when they can. I think of when players like Jody Jones and people like that are in the team, and they just shoot whenever they can. And you will get bobbles and you will get deflections, especially on pitches like that. So yeah, no, it was it was good to see him put that one away. We've talked a lot about the keeper already from Rochdale, and you're absolutely right, Tom. A lot of these keepers, we 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 discuss this a lot, and we would say that Morosi is one of the best keepers, if not the best keeper in the league, and he has to make a, a hell of a lot of saves still, and even with our defensive record. So you're right, having a shot on these types of pitches with keepers that perhaps are young or inexperienced at times. Uh, we saw that with Taylor away at home to Southend, you know, very young lad coming on for, for the injured Oxley. And and it's the same with, with this week, wasn't it, Andy? Trying to get that shot off. It was. And um, he seemed to, because he hit it early, which I liked. Um, he seemed to get in position really quickly, Maddie Godden, and he hit it early. And I think he kept, you know, got the uh, keeper from off surprise really and and we got a, a little bobble over him which was uh, always nice to see but yeah if you look at Matty Godden's stats for the game against Rochdale he had four shots um, which was the most by any Sky Blue player and he hit two of them on target which again was the most by any Sky Blue player so it shows that he's hitting the target more than more than not which is great and he's showing that he's more confident now as well which is interesting Andy because at times actually uh, and I'll move this on to Tom as well. Mm. But at times, it did feel that Matty Godden was quite quiet at, at the weekend again. Playing that lone role, uh, possession stats show that we didn't have as much of the ball as, as perhaps we've had in previous mm. games. And, it, and he was a bit quiet, Tom. Yeah, he was. But it's, to be honest, it's probably testament to our midfield, isn't it? I mean, some teams, you know, you've got you've got a decent lad up front and everything goes through him or you're lumping it up to him and hoping he does the right. But we've got such good midfield that you know, he doesn't need to be involved all the time. He's just he's just always sort of playing off the shoulder and he's ready to make that run and he's just seeing what Allen and, and Walsh and players like that are up to. So I think it's probably just a testament to, to how good we are in the middle, really, and how we play it out. Yeah, it's very important, actually, with Godden. Because of our midfield, they do pass the ball around a lot. They make those intricate passes. And Godden's just always sat on that last man, defender's shoulder, ready to slip, you know, be slipped in by Allen in the case of this week's goal. But, you know, Shipley's done it in the past and Walsh plays lovely balls through. And and that's, um, do you think that's why he suits our style so much, Andy? Yeah, I think he does. Um, like um, Tom said, he does get isolated a lot here and there. But I think, like, it's the style of play we do. We play a lot through our midfield and he's very reliant on, you know, either Westbrook or Shipley joining him. Or Alan or Cal O'Hara joining him, isn't he? So, you know, he has to do a lot of dirty work, you know, 
chasing balls, loose balls, working the back line. And and then when he does get it, he's, he's relying on the uh, midfield two supporting him, isn't he? So that's why he's in and out of the game a lot, Dave. Yeah, exactly. And But he did get that goal. He did score. And then the celebration came out. The plane <laughs> celebration came out again. Uh, and then we had the game was restarted. A big, long ball came over bit of bad defending and then in the back of the net for 2-1 to make it you know really tight again Tom yeah it was it was so disappointing I, yeah I was trying to sort of unpick what, what went wrong really I think one thing was sort of our attitude it felt like even sort of where we were standing it was a bit like well we've won it now you know 2-0 up away party atmosphere there's a bit of an attitude and I think that carried on to the pitch and it was like well we haven't won it it's 2-0 they could easily get one back and then they've just lumped one upfield and watching the highlights back it was actually Rose that was tracking the man right, um, so yeah so Fads has sort of left it to Rose he's tracked him to a point and then he's just left him and then you're looking at Fads and thinking can he get there and he hasn't got there either and then he's just you know scuffed it really past Morosi so really disappointing because you know it looked like we'd we'd sealed it and then it's like oh we've made it really hard for ourselves so I was, I was really disappointed with that goal and it sounded like Robbins was as well and Andy you know they're the sort of goals that okay it's fine to switch off every now and again we understand they always say you're most vulnerable when you've just scored to mm. you know use a turn a really popular commentator phrase but <laughs> they do say that and they say it for a good reason and, and that's how it felt wasn't it we just completely switched off and we can't do that in this season we've it's so tight up the top we just can't afford to be doing that can we not at all it was poor um, I think the back three were listening to the Sky Blue Army too much saying we're going up uh, they were singing that weren't they and then the ball got rolled back to the lad in midfield and he just swept it forward and um, like we said in the pod before we, we said they would go long to Abraham and, and it did and Rose just left his man it was poor by Rose he had a really good game as well and you know he's been really decent after his Poor display after uh, against uh, Bolton, and he's come back from that really well. But that was poor by Rose. He left it for McFadden to deal with, and you shouldn't do that. Just go with your runner, Rose. And he left McFadden all alone, and it was you know poor by Rose. And uh, but then he swept it under Morosi, and uh, he made it two one, and it made the last what 10, 15 minutes interesting when it shouldn't, when there was no need to be, was there? It did. It made it a really nervy end to the game. But we also had some chances to make it free one, didn't we, Tom? Yeah, we did. Um, we had a couple. Um, there was, I think, Alan towards the end um, had a chance. He sort of um, sort of left of the box, um, and he just hit it over the bar. Um, it wasn't the easiest of chances, but yeah, it would have been nice just to have sealed it. We we did make it a bit nervy towards the end. I remember them getting that corner right at the end, if you remember that, um, and it was just horrible. But then, you know, luckily the whistle went, and we got three points. Was well, it? Ninety minutes all over got the three points a really really important win again on the road because we can't afford to lose against sort of the teams like the Rochdale if you want to cement that automatic motion spot that the Sky Blues do we spoke about Rose who perhaps didn't track his man but we also spoke about how he, he rose for the header it was an incredible goal really so earlier on as well and perhaps Rochdale were a bit caught a bit cold but um, he was the man of the match Andy 32 percent uh and thanks again for all of our listeners who joined in with the match day polls on our Twitter account. Um, but does he deserve that, Rose? Good man of the match for you? Uh, no, not in my opinion. Um, not 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 because of the way he played. It's because of the goal at the end. I think that blotted his copybook. To be honest, I would have gave it Liam Walsh. Um, I thought 
his, we haven't talked about his technique for that first goal. His that, wow, how good was that to whip it in like that? Yeah. Um, that was amazing technique from Walshy, and I think he's playing at the top of his game. Um, his stats were really, really good as well. He had two key passes, um, which was the best of any Sky Blue player. He had two dribbles, which is. Uh, was the best of any Sky Boot player. He had two tackles and one interception as well, which is so just shows how much of an all-round midfield player he is now. When he's just like him and Kelly are just undroppable in those pivot roles. And for me, I would have given Walsh the man of the match. I think he played outstandingly well on a really dodgy surface as well. So I would have given it Walsh. Yeah, Andy, you make a really good point. I mean, he's been a really important player for us this season. Uh, and even though Rose did walk away from the man match. How did you see that, Tom? What would you have given? Yeah, I, I think um, I'd have to agree. I think Walsh had a superb game. I, I probably would mm. give it to him. I think I think there's I like it. Is every week there's always a few in the running, isn't there? Like um, Alan, Alan was great again. Yeah, he set set up the the second goal. He'd probably be a close second for me. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree with I'd agree with Walsh. Cheers, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dave? I just I think it was a mixed game. I mean, I don't want to say it because I'll get slated for it, but I thought Gordon put a lot. Oh, of- here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing it to wind you up, Andy. Yeah, is, yeah. And I think he put a lot of hard work in. He was a bit quiet. Don't get it wrong, but when it when it mattered, he he got that goal, you know. And and I just think that it took the pressure off for that that very split second, but took the pressure off and he he worked hard and got the goal. But I I think it's very difficult. Morosi made some incredible saves again. Mm. Um, He made that save down to his right-hand side. That could have gone, you know, either way. I thought Callum O'Hare played really well. He gave us a lot, you know, a lot of possession in the the right areas, you know, in that final third. And he linked up with people. And again, he's always trying to make something happen. So I think it was very, very difficult this week. And even though... People have said Rose and uh, you know, had that era error at the um, for the goal. I just think actually, you know, it was very tough to give it to one player this week. But mm. yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. argue with Rose. But I think everyone played well. It was a really gutsy performance. We did switch off for that minute, but it's not an easy place to go to. Um, and I think we just when you look at you know this part rest of the season where we've really struggled to get away wins. It was great now to see that we're just picking up so many on the road. Yeah, just picking on your point about Callum O'Hare, did you see that stat I put out today from our stats partner between the lines about his key passes? He's got the most key passes of any player um, in League One under 21 years of age. So um, I think he's contributed 11 um, in the season, which is any, which is Villa's highest of any Villa loanee ever. Yeah, he's made some contribution, Callum O'Hare. Mm. see that when he plays can't you he's always looking for that through mm. yeah. all of his passes are always they seem to be for me they always seem to be weighted perfection and it's not by accident that he takes these little touches and here and there whereas sometimes you think oh someone's been a bit lucky but it, it's not by accident is it Tom when he does that no, definitely not. I was, I was going to say, you know, do you think with players like O'Hare, do you think we've just come to, you know, expect a great performance from him and that's why you don't often think of him as man of the match? I think that's with a few players, to be honest. The performance levels have just been quite high across the whole team the whole season, whereas in seasons gone by, we might have had one or two standout players who just, you know, 
a man in the match every week. But yeah, yeah I think the, I think the, he's just been high high standards for for a while now. Over. Yeah, the, there's a number of them that are consistently level high, uh, have a level that which is very high, don't they? So yeah, that's a fair point regarding that uh, when you do put the man in match pop all out, you could put eight or nine out, couldn't you? Because they're all at a high level at the moment, especially this run we're on. You know, we haven't you know lost since the 14th of December. So, yeah, exactly. um, there, yeah. so yeah, that's a fair point, Tom. Yeah, as we say, great performance, great to get an away win. Again, we've got some really key games, and let's just hope that the Sky Blues can continue to pick up those points, not just on the road, but at home at St Andrews, and push beyond and get that promotion. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. It's time now to just talk about our hot topic this week. And we recently asked Sky Blues Extra listeners and followers, is Mark Robbins the best ever Coventry manager? I'm going to ask you, Andy, first, what are your thoughts on Mark Robbins as a, you know, the best of all time? Um, he's got a bit of a way to go to be the best of all time, uh, in my opinion. However, the job he's done has been unreal. I went to the game at the Rico Arena when we uh, lost to Sheffield United and there was all that palaver on the pitch and the school uh, flag and all that protesting in the middle of the pitch and the game nearly got abandoned and I was sitting at the Rico Arena that night and um, the club was dying you know there was so many you know there was no young faces there and it was just a it just was poor it was when Mark Venus was in charge and the yeah it was such a negative toxic atmosphere in the ground that night and um the way that Robbins has changed it, and it's all changed since that checker trade win, the final. I was there at the final, and uh, ever since then, it's just been an upward curve, hasn't it? Bar the relegation. Um, it's been an upward curve, hasn't it? And uh, the way he's changed from the atmosphere from being so toxic to being so carvinal now, it's just been out- unreal, and he's done an absolutely fantastic job. Um, to get... To back to your question about is he the best? Not for me. I think um, Jimmy Hill has got to be up there because obviously he took us to the uh, first division from I think the old third or fourth division, and it wasn't just rise, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it was the impressive managerial mm. um, feat. And he was way way ahead of his time, Dave, as well. The, his way of thinking, you know, electric scoreboards, all-seater all stadiums, you know, people, you know, getting rid of the minimum wage after he left Cov. So, you know, he was a man ahead of his time, Jimmy Hill. But the one that stands out for me is John Sillett. Obviously, he was massively helped by uh, George Curtis. We can't forget George's uh, contribution to uh, John Sillett's role. Um but in force, one of Coventry's biggest ever mm. in yeah. the uh, FA Cup. Yeah, and um, but it's not just the FA Cup run. Um, over four seasons in charge, this is in the top division. Cov finished tenth, tenth, seventh, and twelfth. Which is, uh, if you look at some other reigns of managers, it would look a lot different to that, wouldn't it? It would. And, you know, and he played an attractive style of football. He won, obviously, the FA Cup, which is legendary. And uh, he also got to a League Cup semi-final as well, where we lost to Forest. So, for me, uh, the question of the best manager of all time, I would go with John Sillett with a lot of help from George Curtis. 
as I mentioned, we did open it up on Twitter to some of our followers and we had a comment from Jamie McAllister. He said that if he gets us promoted, then yes, the situation that the club has been in and that we are now in cannot be underestimated. We are down and out as a club before he came and now look where we are. We're not the Coventry of old. He makes us all proud to be Sky Blues fans. What do you think about that, Tom? Is it, you know What's Mark Robbins done for Coventry City, for yourself? What good a job has he done? It's very hard for us to compare some of the managers in yesteryear because we weren't watching and witnessing that week in, week out. But for you, Mark Robbins, best ever Coventry manager? Yeah, like you said, it is it is hard for us because you know we weren't obviously about back then with Silla and, and Jimmy Hill, obviously. But Not yeah, I mean, all. <laughs> I'm not stressing you around no, for Jimmy I, Hill. I'm not seven today. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's Johnson. It was in the the year above at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two years above me, not. <laughs> um, I think Jamie makes a really good point actually that for, for what the club's gone through, I mean. You know, Mark Robbins hasn't only just made us play well on the pitch. He's just completely transformed the club. I know we're not playing in Coventry, but, um, you know, he, I went to a fans forum, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago with the London supporters, and it, he uh, he was talking at it. And he said that when he came back, when we were about to be relegated with the season we won the checker trade, he said he walked into the building and he said he was actually quite upset at the state the club was in. Um, and, he, and he really wanted to help. And he was like, I'm, I'm back. And he, he felt bad about leaving in the first place. Um, and he really wanted to make a difference and he was determined to sort of rebuild the club and he has done absolute wonders um, you know the, the the sort of business model and the philosophy and all the stuff that he's he's built um, is going to stand us in, in really good stead for the future um, the only remaining problem we've got is obviously the stadium but it hasn't affected us on the pitch um, he's, he's built a fantastic team uh, which is absolutely flying this season so for, for me it has to be Robbins I think just for just for the adversity that he's faced and he's stuck with the club um, and I really hope we can see him finish the job off and get us into the into the championship that's great and I'm going to take it back to you Andy because Tom's spoken there about Robbins obviously it is a lot to do with eras and it's more more of our I suppose Tom's era that he's, he's witnessing you know after mm-hmm. so many managers like Slade and Fawn and and, and and you know other managers we could yeah. go beer all night actually if we did that but yeah it's you know it has he has done a remarkable job for for you okay not to perhaps beat Hill or beat Sillett but for you to go down in in history does he need to get the club promoted or does he need to get the club promoted and stay in the championship to go as what a legendary um, <sighs> promoted and yeah to get us promoted he'd go down as being yeah a legend. Because how many years we've been out of the championship now? 2012, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Eight, so to, eight, nine years. Yeah. You know, people like Coleman have been in, uh, Boothroyd, um, like other managers, Dowie. They can't. You know, we've had so many managers, haven't we? That uh, Mowbray. You know, yeah. they've. You know, we've had so many managers that have not bar that Mowbray half a season, which was decent, and then they're tailed off. No one's got close, have they? Um, to getting us really back in the championship so if he gets us back in the championship Dave I think he will go down as a Scar Blue legend mm. manager 100% 100% 
And, and actually, me, me and Dave were chatting on the way to the game on Saturday, mm. and the, the the monumental task of staying in the championship, which obviously probably a topic for a, for a later pod, but um, the the challenge to stay in there is is enormous. We were we've been listening to this uh, Price of Football podcast, and they've been saying that you know sixteen thousand pounds a week is the average wage in the championship now, yeah, um, which is just which is just crazy. So, you know, if he was to keep us up there, I mean that that would be some achievement as well. Um, yeah, but, you know, if he if he cements us into the championship for the like the first season, like he did in League One, really, you know, we finished just outside the playoffs. He cemented us quite nicely, and then we pushed for. Obviously, we're now we're pushing from a promotion. So, mm. if he does something like that in the championship, you know, he cements us. What finished twelfth, thirteenth, and and then maybe go for the uh, playoffs the following season. Well, that would be something, wouldn't it? Yeah, it really would. And I think we'll put it past him either. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, the the model he's built, mm-hmm. um, it, it, you know, it has got a chance. You know, bringing young players in, developing them, they tend to develop pretty quickly. Um, look at players like Hyam. You know, he, I went to be signing him two and two and a bit years ago, mm-hmm. and he's probably you know ready for the championship now. So, if he so. can keep finding these diamonds, then you know we you know we never know. Got a chance, haven't we? Yeah. And that Definitely. is the model that Coventry City have, uh, have got as an approach. It has to be that way. They are a feeder club for, for now premiership clubs, and it's happened so often now with Callum Wilson. Um, I can't think of his name now. I've got Madders. 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 Um, also, Sam McCallum will depart Coventry at the end of the season and go to Norwich, who may not be a premiership. To play Coventry next season. <laughs> but, but, you know, it just goes to show that the interest from premiership clubs in, in players that have been grown at Coventry City is, is large and that's important for the club to continue to do because they need to do that to support the finances. Andy, there's a, another follower from, from the Sky Blues Extra Twitter account. He yeah. posted that he would agree with with, with yourself and, and seemingly others that Hill, Sillett and then Robbins. So he'd go Jimmy Hill first, Sillett second and, and Robbins third. Mm. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, perhaps uh, change Silly and Hill around, but yeah, I perhaps agree with that. No one mentioned Strachan much, do they? Um, uh, I was going to come on to this actually, and I was going to ask for both of your your thoughts around managers that perhaps haven't seemed to have got what you know underrated, perhaps what they should they should have got more accolade. Mm-hmm. Is that someone for you, Andy Strachan? I mean, he kept us up, didn't he, against? It seemed like the whole world wanted us to go down without well, the Premiership, and we finally succumbed to the pressure that is ogle mm. of the Premiership. But yeah, is that something you think Strachan? Well, not as a, as a the thing with Strachan is that everyone just labels him as getting us relegated from the Premier League. Um, that's the problem with Strachan, and he'll never get rid of that from the Cough fans. But a lot of Cough fans need to realise that under Strachan, we played some of the best football I've ever seen. Some of the players that I witnessed at Highfield Road, people like Dublin, Whelan, Huckabee, Frog, Frogger, Saltved, McAllister, you know, Shaw at the back, Hedman in goal, you know, Roland Nielsen, an absolute role. These were top, top, Gary Breen, top, top international players um, playing at the highest level, you know. And holding their own, weren't they, against, oh, you know, players from around the world when, yeah. when really the premiership was just starting to get kicked off around perhaps those players coming in from Europe and, and the rest of the world, as well as top-class English players. And, mm. and Strachan's team were matching them, weren't they, in, in, in a lot of <laughs> Especially at Highfield Road. We always gave the big boys a, uh, a game. Um, you know, we used to, you know, 
beat with you know we beat Man U three two at Highfield Road, which is a very memorable game um, over Christmas period. But we always get the big teams at a game at Highfield Road, and and watching some of the the, the caliber of player under Strachan was um, was an absolute privilege. And I'll move it on to you, Tom. Is there anyone that you perhaps you know will go down in history for the wrong reasons? <laughs> for the wrong reasons well <laughs> how long have you got <laughs> um well it, i mean it's got to be russell slade doesn't it oh. um by the way i checked i checked what i was talking about last week we didn't win a game under under slade away from home or at home for that matter not one game no so we, wow. we didn't win a game under him um we um we won one game away that season which was under venus away at port vale so that oh, was yeah, yeah it's pretty miserable say hey. so again Venus away it's quite a trip yeah <laughs> Port Vale away <laughs> Martin de Mart Venus <laughs> um, so yeah that was a pretty miserable yeah Slade would be would be the worst that I've, I've ever seen for sure one, one I wanted to mention actually mm. uh, a slightly underrated I think would be Stephen Presley he, he he was here under very very tough times mm. and you know the Northampton days and he stuck with the club and that season we, had, we started on minus 10 you know we finished 8th in the league that was a that was a good effort I thought um, and he, he put a good team together so he's probably one that I always thought I felt a little bit sorry for um, and did, a, did an alright job considering and did yeah. seem to have a lot of passion for the club didn't he oh huge passion for the club you know, yeah he had a really good bond I think with the fans during during his reign in in, in, in most of it you know majority of it yeah the only thing that bugged me about him was when we'd lose 3-0 and he'd come out and say the players were terrific but um, apart from that you know, he's, he did alright I think managers do don't they they go they do have their sort of lines that they tot out and I think apart from when he when we lost in the FA Cup and he went crazy do you remember that interview oh the bomb squad yeah, yeah. Oh my was, god! Yeah, I wouldn't have liked to be one of the players in that dressing room. When Redder Johnson missed a pen. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Worcester City at home. That's it. Yeah, and he went absolutely mental, didn't he? And I think after ever since he went mad on that interview after the game, I think he lost the dressing room, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, he mm. did. He created that bomb squad, which was just yeah. Yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, there you go. And it's not too late for listeners to contact us on Sky Blues Extra. All you need to do is use the hashtag Sky Blues Extra podcast and let us know your thoughts. Let us know who the best ever manager was for Coventry City. Let us know what Robbins has to do to go down in history to become a legend, perhaps even succeed or super succeed. Jimmy Hill and John Sillett, as Andy's mentioned this evening. Do let us know and we'd love to hear from you and hear your thoughts. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. It's now time to preview this weekend's fixture. We play Sunderland at home in another massive and important game for the Sky Blues. We've already played Sunderland this season. We played them away from home, of course, and it ended in a 1-1 draw. Let's listen back to that game now. This is their third corner. Sunderland are yet to have any. Westbrook again to take it. It's a second on the, on the left-hand side. He takes it short to Shipley. Shipley now, is, uh, but pokes it into Darbo. Darbo back to Westbrook. Westbrook now crossing from deep. And there could be a chance. Here comes the fight to the penalty area. And he's headed into the net. And the Sky Blues score is Tom Hyam, who's headed in. A corner goal for the Sky Blues. An intricate move. Short corner from Shipley. Westbrook and Darbo involved. And eventually the deep cross from Westbrook. Westbrook headed across the penalty area and there was Hyam to head in from inside the six-yard box and 
Out on the left, Hume to take it. He gets the ball back and crosses into the post. It's an awkward ball and McFazzin just manages to kick the ball high in the air. It's still a chance here, maybe for one more. McFazzin tries to get it away. It's still not there. Great chance, it's a goal for the substitute. Kimpiocca, the Skybooks just could not get it out of the penalty area. And Kimpiocca had room to fire it in from the edge of the six-yard box. Sunderland barely deserve it, but they've got the equaliser. Tough fixture away from home at the Stadium of Light. I actually travelled up with yourself, didn't I, Tom, and was treated to lots of delights from your mother. Lovely, lovely food. She always puts on an amazing spread. We spoke about it so many times, and we didn't go hungry that day. But a great game up at Sunderland. It was just unfortunate we couldn't hold on to that win. Yeah, it was a. Yeah, it was a. We played really well actually that day, didn't we? Um, I think uh, Hyam t- puts into the lead with a header, um, and yeah, we we really dominated them. Uh, and then we just we just let our concentration slip. I think it was the ninety first minute, um, and they equalised, which was which was really really disappointing. We really should have won that game. It's probably one we'll look back at the end of the season, and you know, two points dropped big time, and then you know that that long old journey back, which took us about six hours, I think. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a tough journey back, and it's a frustrating. But it was towards the start of the season. I think you know that it's ping pong in the box. There was a header. Someone tried to clear it. I mean, McFadden was involved and just couldn't get the ball cleared. Uh, and that showed signs at the start of the season, Andy, about how we were a little bit more panicky in, in defence. But it shows how far we've come, doesn't it? It does. Um... Towards the start of the season, we we were drawing a lot of games, weren't we? Um, but this, what's changed now is that we seem to be winning games. We've learned a way to win, and uh, that's what's changed. Instead of drawing games, we're winning games now, and we're you know we're beginning to really realise how to see games out. So that's really important because obviously uh, draws are no real good at this stage of the season. It's all about getting the three points, isn't it, Dave? It is exactly, and. There's a lot of history between the clubs. We've played each other 35 times in the league. Coventry have won 11. There's been 14 draws and Sunderland have won just 10. Our biggest win was 6-1 in 1982-1983 season. We also won 5-0 in the League Cup in 1990. Who can forget that thrilling 5-4 away win when Connor Chaplin scored on the 78th minute to seal all three points? You were there that day, Tom, and it was an amazing, amazing atmosphere. One that I still to this day can't believe missed there's a few big games going back that I've missed and uh, you know I'll rue it I'm sure and that's why I'm trying to take in as many as I can in this which seems like a historical season but just just give us some thoughts on that 5-4 yeah that was that was a brilliant day that was um we seem to have just sort of picked up a bit of a rival with with them by then hadn't we from sort of nowhere well obviously from the Jimmy Hill stuff but um and it yeah it was it's, it felt like a massive game um and and yeah, to go there and win five four was absolutely was absolutely fantastic. One of the yeah, like you said, one of the away days that I remember, probably will remember for a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll take that on Saturday, on Sunday. Sorry, it's uh, it is. It's a really important game. Just for you know, obviously there's a lot of rival there, like Tom mentioned. But how do you see this one going, Andy? What have we got to be careful for, and what have we got to watch? Um, I've got a few decent key players. Um, let's go on to the form before we go on to the key players, though. Um, they've won 
four out of the last five and losing once, and that's to Portsmouth. And uh, that's no, obviously, harm in losing to Pompey because they're on fire, apart from when they play us, of course. The last result, they beat Bristol Rovers 3-0, which is a decent result, saying that Bristol Rovers have been appalling recently, haven't they? They're on the slide. So looking more in depth in the stats, they have the sixth best away form in the league. They've played 15 away from home. Uh, They've scored 13 goals, which is not a lot, but only let in 16. They've got the best defensive record in the league. So, yeah, um, they're going to be a tough nut to crack, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be a free-scoring game, so it could be quite a tight one. It sounds like it's going to be a tight one, Andy. Like you say, their defensive Mm. record speaks for itself. We've obviously got an impeccable record ourselves at at home at St Andrews defensively um, and have played really well there, especially in recent weeks. Um, Tom, what would you be looking to start with? Obviously, we don't have the benefit of um, the Rotherham fixture. That actually takes place tomorrow and we're recording on the Monday evening. So, we're not sure exactly how that one's gone, but... How would you line up on on Saturday? Yeah, I'd probably go with a with a similar team to to Rochdale. Um, so yeah, I'd go with Morosi um, and Gold, obviously. Dabo and McCallum on on either wing. Um, Hyam and Hyam Rose and McFazlin at the back. No need to change the defence at all. And then it'd be Walsh and, and Kelly in the sort of holding roles. O'Hare and Allen. A sort of slightly further forward and then I'd, I'd stick with Godden I think I think he's done enough to keep his place in the team um, hoping he can just start picking up that goal scoring form now and you know start getting a goal a game or a goal every couple of games and that'll be you know that'll really help us for the rest of the season What about yourself Andy who would you be starting on Sunday right <laughs> Uh, I would start the only change I would make I'd do the same team as Rochdale but I, I would play um, Mason are against this and there's a reason for this because their two main players are Chris Maguire and Lyndon Gooch which basically they both play out wide and I know Maguire I think might be against either Mason um, or Dabo so our fullbacks or wingbacks have really got to be defensively minded because especially on Chris Maguire he scored 10 goals in 24 games and he's got nine assists in, in total so he scored 10 and got nine assists in the league. So that's pretty impressive. He got two assists on Saturday as well against Bristol Rovers. So he's highly on form. Obviously, he played for us as well, didn't he? Chris Maguire. And he's an absolute set-piece uh, magician, isn't he? So um, I would play Mason at left-back just to curve that. Give us a bit more solidity at the back defensively. I don't think Robbins will. I think he'll stay with the same team with McCallum. But for me, I would play Mason at the back and then the same team as what started against Rochdale Day. Yeah, I think you're, a lot of people is going to make it very hard, isn't it, to drop uh, a winning team and, and mm. they don't have the benefit of Rotherham. But I would be expecting Robbins to keep a very similar team against Rotherham to, to what he started at Rochdale. And I, I would expect that team to continue until Sunday and, and play. For me, again, it would be Morosi in goal. Um, like you say, it's a very interesting point around Mason because I think he is a bit more defensively minded, and mm-hmm. Sam Allen has been a little bit off um, off his off the ball recently. But again, I think he had a really good game against Rochdale, and can't really see that changing. Darbo is just you can't drop on him. He's just been absolutely superb throughout the season. He had a little wobble against Southend, and perhaps he wasn't too great at Portsmouth sent off but other than that they're the only games I can really highlight where we struggled this season the defensive partnership's absolutely superb for us um, and I think yeah it's the Godden perhaps has put to, to bed the sort of you know 
possibly you know people <laughs> thinking that BMU should come in and, and and I think I'll just stick with him and but hopefully we use that squad depth because we've got a big game on Tuesday night and it's another big game on Sunday and I think keeping players fit and, and fresh and you know let them run around for 45, 50, 60 minutes. Let them, you know, really burn out and, and swap them around because we've got that depth. Um, so I'm going to take some scores from, from Tom first. What what would you be, what do you think the score is going to be? I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it'll be really tight. I don't think there'll be a huge amount of chances in the game. Um, so I'm going to go with a 1-1, which wouldn't be the worst result in the world, depending on what happens at, against, against Rotherham. Who would your score be? I will go with Godden. Keep up the form. And Andy? Yeah, I think um, it'll be tight. I um, think we will win this uh, 2-1. And scorers? Uh, your man, Godden. Um, <laughs> and I think Callow Hair. Funny you should say that. I'm going to go for a 1-0 and I think Callum O'Hare is going to score first. One point I was going to make about the game, actually, mm. um, you, you said about Maguire. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to not let any uh, free kicks come in. We know against Portsmouth, we said about the sort of stopping them um, getting free kicks. We're going to have to be really careful with that because he, he can really bang them in from anywhere, can't he? He can. Um, I remember um, him playing for us. He scored two brilliant mm. free kicks at MK Dons. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, and also, you know, he, I think he was in the, the team that we played against Oxford in the Czech Raid team, uh, the final. Uh, yeah. I know Burge made a really good save from one of his free kicks then as well. So, no, we've really got to be on a metal. No silly fouls around the area at all. Is They've got to be really careful. Stand up, no diving in. Yeah. Um, and make sure that we don't give any silly free kicks because, like you said, he can bang them from anywhere he's a superb technician mm, so, he really uh, is no we need to be careful on that and like like you said I think Robbins did say that to the lads against Pompey didn't they because Pompey are very good at set pieces um, so hopefully he'll drill that into the lads before the uh, Sunderland game on Sunday yeah and like I say, that's pretty much all we've got time for this evening. We're just going to congratulate Danny. It's at CovKid82 on Twitter. His prize is on the way. He was the winner of the Highfield Road print. If you didn't win the competition and you wasn't as lucky as Danny, you can still buy prints um, from the, the owner of the JMK artwork. Just search for him on Twitter and you'll be able to purchase one of them. I must admit, I looked and I thought it was a brilliant little piece and I, I've got it hanging on my wall already. But if you wasn't lucky enough to win, we have got another competition come up. So keep your eyes peeled for after the Sunderland game because there'll be another competition at Lawson. As we say, that's all we've got time for this evening. Gents, it's been a pleasure as usual. Let's hope the Sky Blues can get three points on Tuesday night and take that form through to Sunday. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.